to Pod Save Africa. Welcome 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 to Pod Save Africa. Welcome. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Pod Save Africa. <clears throat> it's your host, Akandi Adirili, and I'm here with your co-host. Pasala Adirili. Hello, guys. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. We're actually at uh, full quarantine um, over at my apartment. Uh, building here, and um, where we're just just kind of like you guys watching and waiting um, as the world reels from the coronavirus uh, pandemic. At this point in time, there are over 415,000 cases globally, um, with cases from affecting pretty much every country in the world at this point in time. Um, we, however, are your African news podcast, and we're here to do a deep dive into how the coronavirus is specifically affecting the African continent at this point in time. Now, Africa, relative to many of the other countries, um, has a lower size of cases. Um, a lot of people were speculating on why this might be very early on at, at the beginning, because I think the entire African continent probably at the time had under 50 cases at the time. Um, and this was a week ago, just to show you how, how quickly like things are developing. I apologize. Let me switch off my notifications, but yes. Yeah, so, so at the time, um, at the time, you know, the, the, the continent was reeling from reeling from the continent was, was not reeling from it from the, in the way that many of the other countries where um, and people are saying, you know, it's too hot in Africa because so the coronavirus dies there, which uh, is turning or, or, you know, it doesn't affect black people. I don't Why did we do that? I don't know why we started that one, but but we were saying it at the time and um, it, it just was not very, um, at least future events as we currently are watching now are showing that um, that simply was not true. Um, Unfortunately, the coronavirus continues to spread across the continent. It has claimed the lives of, um, from the weak to the poor, um, famous young and old, um, including, uh, including a, uh, a popular Zimbabwean uh, a broadcaster. Uh, he was 30 years old at the time. Um, his name was Zororo Makaba. Um, it's also claimed the life of a, a famous Cameroonian uh, musician. And yeah, it's it's. Uh, let me let me pull up that name real quick. I had it over here a second ago. Um, let's see, coronavirus. This is developing so quickly that we we'd actually write, written, put together a story for you guys, um, for you guys on Friday when we put together a bunch of data about the the coronavirus and spread, et cetera, et cetera. And like by today. Um, while we're actually recording it, it's changed entirely. So the name of the Cameroonian uh, junk jazz funk star's name was uh, Manu Dibango. Um, very famous, very popular, very prominent across the continent. 
amongst many others that have that have uh, contracted and and are are dealing with the virus currently um, in Africa the total number of cases has exceeded 2,000 total cases um, just kind of going deeper into where it is uh, South Africa appears to be the country with by far the most cases um, with 554 cases confirmed um, currently no deaths are reported and our source is the John Hopkins uh, University of Medicine Coronavirus Resource Center um, you can always use it. The uh, link is coronavirus.jhu.edu. Um, it's been very helpful in kind of seeing the broadcast. Of course, it lags a little bit behind the actual reporting, but it's it's largely a good sense of where things are. Um, and we'll link that in the show notes too and on the website for you. Absolutely. And then Egypt has been the second highest number of cases with 402 cases, uh, 20 deaths, and 80 people recovered. Um, Algeria, it appears, has been the third highest. Um, with 264 confirmed cases, 19 dead, and 24 recovered. Uh, Morocco comes in third with 170 cases, five deaths, and six people recovered. Um, I believe Burkina Faso was the next highest number of cases. Um, between Burkina Faso and uh, Senegal, Burkina Faso and then Senegal, um, Burkina Faso with 114 cases, and then Senegal with about 86. Um, now, every country is living from this. We're all responding. Our governments are responding as um, as quickly as they can in, in ways, well, trying to respond as quickly as they can. And we've just seen a range of responses across the continent. Are there any thoughts on on kind of how different governments have responded? The Nigerian government was um, is currently still partially shut down um, with regards to um, flights coming into the con- into the country. Um, it's still just a partial shutdown to countries with over, I believe, a thousand cases. Um, and um, just pulling together my reporting from Friday. Um, so Algeria, just going over the countries and their, their shutdown. We have South Africa with a partial shutdown, Madagascar with a partial shutdown, uh, Tanzania with a partial shutdown, Nigeria partial, uh, Cameroon total. Ghana total shutdown, Mali partial, Algeria shut uh, uh, shutdown partial, Egypt, Sudan, and Libya, and then Tunisia all have complete shutdowns, um, except for citizens or residents returning home or, or like very unique special circumstances. But just looking at the African continent, um, and then those are the places that are largely most affected. Um, but but it just gives you a sense of like everybody's closing their borders and saying, hey, we want to still slow the spread as much as possible. Um, now, what many countries seem to be focusing on, only come with you to agree, is probably community spread. Um, and it's interesting to have seen just tracking social media and news reports um, how the culture of you know going out, congregating, partying, et cetera, et cetera, or, or for different reasons, weddings, uh, meetings, uh, church, uh, mosque, um, and and other things of that nature um, are conflicting with how we need to react to this. Um, the most surefire method that has been discovered so far it has been social distancing and uh, staying, staying at home full lockdowns. Those have uh, appeared to have been effective in, in Wuhan, um, China, um, per, per the reports and the news we're getting. Um, but a lot of African countries, honestly, have just struggled with that. Let me call some thoughts. Well, um, I think one thing that I guess makes me slightly worried, um, especially as relating to the virus on the African continent, is that 
Afri African countries are known to perhaps not be, be the best at dealing with situations such as this. We don't know that we're testing enough. We don't know that other African countries, perhaps the lesser developed, the lesser educated, educated even know um, that the coronavirus is within their country. So as the continent compares to the rest of the world, it might appear that we have fewer cases overall on the entire continent than even some countries like Italy and the US. Mm -hmm. And my fear with that is maybe one, there hasn't been any infiltration of the virus um, from outside maybe, but also that um, it's, not, it's just not being caught um, on the continent as quickly as it is elsewhere, or it's being mistaken for something else. Mm. Um, or perhaps by the time it is somewhat caught, the, there's already death and they don't test anymore. And I heard of a particular case like that in Nigeria. Um, so I think there's a lot of misinformation about oh. this virus in the air in the first place. And this can be particularly troubling for countries that don't have access to education in the first place. What they might be hearing first is, um, is worries me. In as in comparing African countries and the responses to it, I I don't know this in full detail, but the reports that we've seen, the Ghanaian government seems to be handling it very well. From the first few cases that came into that country, they quickly responded by shutting shutting um, travel into their country. Mm -hmm. They even once sent back a flight full of people. Um, into their country. In comparison, Nigeria did not handle it as well as they could have. Um, initially, they seemed to be catching things quickly and dealing with things quickly. But we left our borders open. We continued to let travel from um, European countries that we knew, everyone knew, had multiple cases of this virus. And so now that we're showing our borders, it's the fear that is, is that it might be a little too late um, to do so, and the spread has begun as, we, as we're, we're beginning to see. Every day the numbers are increasing, and we've even recorded a death within Nigeria. Um, and so we hope that all of the health officials, and we thank you for your service all around the world, and everybody involved in curbing this or finding of the scene, um, thank you for your service. We hope that they continue to do good work, but we're just going to have to watch as this unfolds. As you mentioned, the story changes very quickly every day, yeah. almost within the hour. Um, so we just have to watch and monitor, and we hope you're all safe out there as well. Save Africa listeners. Yeah. So, um, one, I think it's important for us to kind of demystify what seems to be going around on the WhatsApp groups. Um, one, the best place of information that that is available, um, especially if you're looking to uh, the U.S. and the Center for Disease Control here, um, they seem to have a fairly, I mean, they have a fairly thorough set of, um, of guidelines and instructions on the, on the, Coronavirus. Um, there's currently no vaccine vaccine for the for the uh, virus. There's no way to 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 stop it if you're exposed to it. 
Um, the, the best way to prevent illness is to just avoid being exposed in the first place. Um, the virus is thought to be spread mainly from person to person, um, even from people who are asymptomatic is what they're finding, that people who show no symptoms, don't show any fever, don't show any coughing, um, are still liable to be spreading the diseases, the disease itself. Um, however, there are a few steps they recommend to protect yourself. Um, like we put up on our previous podcast, uh, wash your hands, don't touch your face. Um, use a hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol. Don't touch your eyes, nose, or mouth with unwashed hands. Um, it's funny, actually, you know, kind of like, now that they say don't touch your face, how many times you catch yourself like, oh, I got to catch that thing on my eye. I'm itching. Got to run to the bathroom and wash my hands. I know, I know. And um, uh, it's tough, but the one silver lining is that these are habits we should have been practicing regardless um, before a pandemic. These are, this is social conditioning that hopefully is good for us. Um, it says a, a few other steps to protect yourself are just avoid close contact with people who are sick. Um, I don't, you know, at this point in time, it's flu season. It's also cold season. So some people have the cold, some people have flus. Um, the best remedy is to just avoid it all. Avoid, avoid those people, avoid anybody who seems to be coughing Any avoid anybody who seems to be feverish, avoid all people. If you can, to be honest with you, that's really the, the main thing that if we all lock up, hang out in our houses, get to know our uh our partners and our children's favorite colors for two weeks and everybody comes down out you know people with symptoms will be will be showing people without symptoms will 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 know that they're fine um um it doesn't appear now there's no conclusive research on how long it stays on surfaces but um hopefully by that time the disease would have stopped um the other rules are the steps you can take to protect other people um the number one is stay home if you feel sick um, cover your mouth with a tissue or sneeze into the inside of your elbow, throw away used tissues into the trash, immediately wash your hands with soap and water um, for 20 seconds or, or with hand sanitizer after you, you cough or sneeze. Um, wear a face mask if you're sick. Um, if you're not sick, do not wear a face mask unless you're caring for somebody who is sick. Um, so that's for doctors, et cetera. The, the, the point is for face masks to be readily available for people who are doctors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, clean and disinfect frequently touch surfaces daily. That means wash your, you know, wipe, off, wipe down your doorknobs, wipe down your light switches, wipe down your countertops, wipe down all the handles, desks, phones, keyboards, toilets, faucets, sinks. Um, that's actually a good one. I got like phones. How many times do we touch? I mean, we are literally touching our phones all, all day and probably those things are, are, uh, are germ carriers. Um, so yeah, uh, most disinfectants will work or alcohol solutions. Um, or, or how apparently there's a household mix on the, on, on the CDC website you can use, but wash your hands for 20 seconds. Make sure every surface of your hands, the crops of your fingers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's kind of crazy seeing all the stuff going around on the WhatsApp groups that, oh, if you hold your, your breath for 20 seconds, you don't have the virus. Come I on, saw guys. one that you cut onion and put this in every corner of the house. Yeah, I saw it. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Wait, come on, WhatsApp groups. Who is writing this stuff? Like, who's just sitting down in their house, cutting it down and writing it? Um, and, and it's that. Come on, guys. 
Yeah, yeah. Onions in the side. Why would onions in the corner of your house? It's corona. It's not a vampire. <laughs> it's a coronavirus. Onions in the. Anyways, uh, moving on, moving on. But we need to be making sure that let's do the things that's calling for us to do. If you do those things, you'll be fine. Don't don't cut onions to the corner of your houses and say, "All right, I'm going to go to that party with 500 other people tomorrow." It doesn't. It's not going to help you. Uh, and then two, even if you feel healthy, you could potentially be a care carrier. So just for the sake of other people who may get ill, who may have weaker immune systems than you do, who may have pre-existing conditions, who may just be older, um, I, I don't want to see old people die. And um, the truth is that knowing that you could be the person who carries a disease to somebody that ends up killing them, I think that's a weight of responsibility on all of us that we need to take. And from the information we see, uh, death by coronavirus is a nightmare. You have people who effectively have their lungs and respiratory systems collapse. They're gasping for air effectively. They're there alone because their family can't visit them. Their friends can't visit them. They literally die alone. The worst nightmare people can have. And the deaths have crossed all spectrums, of course. So far, it appears that older people seem to be at a higher risk. It does not mean the risk does not exist for younger people. And in fact, it appears that younger people still are at risk of getting at minimum sick and very sick. Um, and I don't want to be sick at all. Yeah. Even the mild cases of the virus so far seem to be very, very brutal, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Pneumonia, the way it attacks your lungs yeah. and your breathing. And Scaring you. Yeah. Though the healthiest of people around the world seem to not be coping very well with it. So yes, how, although a lot of cases seem to recover, it is not a smooth recovery. It's not an easy recovery. So it's just better to prevent it from happening in the first place. Yes. And now we have to talk about chloroquine. Okay, so here's the information we know, right? Here's what we actually know. The information we know is that the CDC, the part of the government that's specifically in charge of recommending cares and providing vaccines is saying to us that we do not know that chloroquine is an effective thing. We don't know that it's not, it's good. We don't know that it's bad. We don't know that it's harmful. We don't know that it could kill you. We don't know that people could get poisoned by it. We don't know. Because every medicine could potentially be a poison as well. Now, the CDC is saying, let us find out. Let's do the testing. Let's know what it is. If it's chloroquine, we'll let you guys know. When we know. However, until then, chill. Now, for my very many Africans who have used chloroquine to treat malaria and headaches and literally everything, apparently, because chloroquine was kind of like Panadol. Everything chlorodose is so bitter. I mean, I just remember it being the most bitter. You remember, and it was liquid too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. like my body shudders. And some people are allergic to it. Yes, yeah. exactly. So um, until we receive actual guidance on how it should be treated. And then two, you shouldn't be self-administering any of this stuff. You should be getting a prescription from a doctor. Your doctor should be treating you with whatever they decide is, is best at the point where information is released. But please do not go and buy chloroquine and start drinking it it is not healthy it's unwise it's not a great way to prevent yourself from until we know better and the answer at the end of the day may end up being it was chloroquine great we know we know it's not going to hurt you we know it's not going to 
have an adverse effect and that cause your immune system to act one kind of way. Or it may be chloroquine and it, it works for five people, but everybody else, it probably just doesn't work for it. Let us know what the truth is um, so we can have an educated response. It would be great if it was a drug that already exists. I understand that. It's an exciting and enticing thing to believe at this time, but let's hold on on that. Want to some thoughts? Yeah, I think we would all very much like for a vaccine to be found quickly, as quickly as possible. I think a lot more... A lot more doctors and things seem to be saying that uh, this, the vaccine might have something to do with chloroquine. But we want to hold off before making any concoctions itself because mm-hmm. the adverse re- results of overdose, we don't know in itself. And there is a possibility of overdose. So we want to hold up until people can say with certainty that this will help or this is the vaccine. Um, and the fact that we haven't means that there's probably still more testing to do. So this period of time is a test in trust. If mm-hmm. you've never been able to trust people before, this is the time. If you've never been the patient person before, this is the time. The test in trust and patience. And all around the world, everybody's learning that lesson slowly, a day at a time. And I believe that will come out at the other side the better for it. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting watching our leadership reaction to this. Um, Like you said earlier, different countries have had different uh, reactions. Um, On the off chance, in some countries, I'm not going to name names, um, people in upper leadership have been infected by the, or there are reports that people in upper leadership have been affected by the virus. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're uniquely in a situation where, unlike before, they're unable to fly away for treatment. They can't get, you know, the, the next helicopter or the next plane to London because London is not accepting flights or patients from anywhere else. Um, and they have to be treated in the country. And one of the arguments now raging is the, hey, do we feel bad for these people that um, it's documented that they haven't invested in the healthcare system? They've told doctors to become tailors or to be retired they've not supported the system they haven't paid doctors hazard pay they're not providing ppe and now they have a disease that potentially could you know risk their lives or do we have say hey this is do we say that's good for you or do we say we choose to have empathy in a consistent um manner um the choice is always to choose empathy but uh, what i hope could be a bright side out of all of this um, is that this gives an incentive to pour back into the healthcare system. Um, just on the offside that something like this again happens in the future. This gives an incentive to actually pour into the health system that they haven't poured in before um, and hopefully develop it and pay attention more to our healthcare workers than was paid for. So I actually disagree um i think we have an overabundance of empathy you know people are sick and die but you have to contextualize this the decisions that these people have received to make refused to make the money they've embezzled embezzled can directly be linked to deaths people have died because they didn't have hospitals to go to people have died because nigeria doesn't have a healthcare system where we have 
more than two th- 200 ventilators. People have died because, you know, the healthcare system is not evenly spread that unless you're on the upper echelon, most likely any serious accident or any serious issues or condemnation to death immediately. It's why our uh, uh, expected life, life expectancy is so low. Um, people like that, I don't think they get, I don't think they deserve empathy, but I think we have to have a reaction that forces people like that. Hopefully when they survive, I, you know, I don't wish anybody death, of course. Um, the plan is for them to survive, but we have to have an actionable plan towards being harder on these people saying, we need our hospitals, we need our schools. You don't get to embezzle this because it's that you are killing people as a result. Um, you, your life has been risked now, so we hope at least that is pressure in that direction. But we, we, we keep our foot on their necks. We say, hey, you know, you don't get to fly out for treatment and, and use public funds. You don't get to do this and the next if you haven't built a, built a hospital. Um, the amount of sums that are delegated towards all types of crazy things every year in our annual budget, uh, $500 million in the most recent one for the uh, National Television Association. Um, we don't need state-run TV. It's generally unnecessary. We, the government can have agreements to broadcast speeches and things of that nature through the private networks. And that $500 million, by my estimate, can probably get you two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven major, real big, nice hospitals that will become the core of hospital systems um, that you can build around, that you can maintain for much less cost, that you can pay doctors, et cetera, et cetera. Especially if you're in that three to five range. You have money, enough money left over to pay doctors to maintain the system. You have a cachet of money to expand the university, the hospital system, right? Because fundamentally, if you have that pillar of education, of health, of, of nutrition and food, you have a baseline of an economy that can grow. Um, and, and the truth is on the back end, our governments are realizing that beyond just the health crisis, they're running out of money. If the world goes into a recession, now we're in deep, deep, deep trouble. We don't have reserves to, to keep us going. We don't have things of that nature. And many African countries are in similar situations. So as much as we want to gloat over, some people might be inclined to gloat over, oh, this person is sick. See, they, they, they sold their bed and now they're eating that. That's one thing. But that doesn't help. But that doesn't actually help us to the cause of getting them to build the hospitals. As much as on the other side, we want to have a lot of empathy and say, oh, you know, I don't wish to work bad on anybody. That's great. But we also have to, both sides need to come together and put their feet on these people's necks and say, hey, we demand better. We do. We risked our lives. We almost all that. Everybody, every one of us is at risk at this point in time. And we need to do better. So that's, that's it's not a full disagreement, but that's, that's my perspective on that. Yeah. So. Um, guys, yeah, hit us up, share your thoughts. Uh, Instagram is pod, at pod Save Africa. Um, our website is saveafricapod.com. Our Twitter is pod Save Africa. The O, the, the o is a zero. Um, somebody stole the pod Save Africa handle before us. That's just the honest truth. And our Facebook is also pod Save Africa. And our Facebook is also pod Save Africa. 
So we're available on all platforms. All we'll, platforms. We'll let you know your thoughts. We'll let you know if you have any questions mm -hmm. that you specifically want us to do some research, some digging into yeah. about the coronavirus and the impact or the spread or any sort of thing along that way. We would love to learn more um, through your questions. So yeah. please feel free to. Please, please, please. Yeah, we have, um, we're kind of in a unique situation where this is kind of developing as quickly. I mean, it's developing incredibly quickly. And it's every moment it's like, oh, this has changed, that has changed. Um, so, of course, our job is just to report to you where things are at. Hopefully we're on the downturn or we're, we're near the peak where um, case numbers start to reduce, especially with social distancing. Um, but Worst case scenario is, in fact, very, very bad, which is why it's critical that we must all do our part. Each one of us is responding, responsible for saving lives. Your actions, staying at home, washing your hands could save somebody else's life. Please do your very best. You're all superheroes now. We're all superheroes. So let's save lives. This has been Akin Adirale. And... Thank you for listening. Cheers.